In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. All right, so I did struggle a bit to think about a question from this movie Um, Mm -hmm. because we've talked a surprising amount about virtual reality and simulations and things Mm -hmm. uh, as a result Mm -hmm. of this podcast. I don't have a question I could ask you, but it really has nothing to do with this movie. Oh, okay. it It could be a... A topic that takes us down a rabbit hole of inappropriosity. Oh, intriguing. Well, how about I'll ask my question to remain on form, okay. and then you can ask me your one. Okay. Um, so, so my question as a result of this movie is not about virtual reality or simulations or anything to do with the content of the film. Okay. It's, a, it's a more of a meta question. Which is, which is, um, if you were an actor, is there any job that you wouldn't take? Oh my God. Well, yes, but uh, it's hard to say what that would be. I mean, I don't know, like, that I would say downright, like, there's a job I wouldn't take, but there would be stumbling blocks for me I think in a lot Mm. of scenarios Mm. yeah Um, I mean I mean you can only you can only know so much about a movie before it's made right like in fairness to the person deciding like right like I don't think I would say like I won't do this movie because I think you're gonna do it badly yeah something or like I don't think this is I guess people do say stuff like, I wouldn't do this because it's not going to be a hit. But, like, I think on paper a lot of times, and many actors I'm sure would tell you this, on paper movies sound great. And then sure. something goes awry. <laughs> where yeah. Like, it doesn't add up. But I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there is. I actually probably would personally steer away from sci-fi stuff just because it's not what interests me yeah but then again I would really be limiting myself as an actor if I did that so I don't know yeah yeah I mean I think particularly this movie probably would have been the sort of thing where like on paper this seems like it could be okay and then when it comes to actual product you're like what the fuck is this like, yeah. Um, so that and oh, but then anyway, I guess what's your question? Oh, 
kind of ties, I suppose. What is your thought on bare butts in movies? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, of of any of, of any, any gender, anybody's butt, yeah. just yeah. a butt in general. Just um, butt. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, because they've talked about on how did this get made. They've talked about. How in many an 80s film, there are man buns, not on their head, but like they're talking about butts, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that they were quite on display in the 80s, which I yeah. kind of agree with and recall as well from a number yeah. of films. Um, yeah, I guess I maybe have a potentially, no, not potentially, a definite controversial stance, which oh, that, is... I don't think I care about seeing anyone's butt. Oh, great. We're I think we're aligned. Now, no no, when you say you don't care, do you mean like if you see one you're like, okay, but you're not like cuz I'm I maybe even It's not going to like Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, that's a butt." And all right. Like Fine. Okay, so you're um, just kind of like neutral about it. Yeah, most unless okay. it's like some sort of gratuitous weirdness about it. Then sure, sure, sure. I guess then I feel like differently. Please. Yeah. See, I feel even more, I guess, controversial, which is I don't care for it. Mm. Like I don't, I don't need to see any butts, and I don't, and I feel actually <laughs> like in this movie in particular, I felt like I didn't consent, and I felt like. <laughs> Attacked by the butt, <laughs> like I didn't. Is like it just it at all. one scene where we see? It's literally one shot, butt? but like, yeah, it's like one shot. Um, but and it doesn't matter the context. It doesn't matter like whether it's usually a butt is. Well, I don't know if a butt is always showed non sexually, but I feel like a lot of times they're shown shown non sexually. Yeah, but like yeah, I just don't care for it. Like I just really, it's not. It's not for me. Yeah, like, it's funny. The more I've been thinking about this as we're talking, I'm like, I don't even think that, like, and this is what I meant by having a controversial stance, which is, like, you you know, like, when people look at other people and maybe have, like, parts of a human body that they find, like, particularly (laughs) attractive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The butt is never... A place no. where my eyes linger. I don't care about no. it. But like, no. So, so especially but, a naked butt. Let's be real. Because yeah, like, I really don't care about it. I'm like, oh, oh is that sexy? I'm like, uh, I don't it's think not. So. It's really not. No offense, everybody, but it's really not. Like, it's. I, I like. I think butts look better in clothes. I will give butts that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Caveat. Like I. What I'm not saying is that. I absolutely can look at someone's butt in a pair of jeans and be like, that looks good or that looks bad. Like, <laughs> obviously. Um, but I don't want to see them out of those jeans. I want those jeans to stay on. And yeah, I actually do, alive. I do think maybe I, if to the degree that I care at all, I think I find a butt in a pant. <laughs> like, more, like then I can, then I have a scope for like, is it good or bad? Sure. Whereas when it's just out in the nude, I'm like, 
I've lost all context. It's just a bot. <laughs> like, and also, if it's bad, there's no there's no going back. In a right. pant, you again, the illusion remains alive that it could be good. You could, like, yeah, you could buy something that would like flatter your butt <laughs> shape or not. Um, but uh, once it's out yeah. of those, then then you're the illusion you're is left gone. With it whatever is what it is. Got yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't like. I didn't care for the butt in this movie, so I was just curious about your opinion on butts. <laughs> well, this is a excellent opening gambit. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to see you next week in space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, I think people just have to know what we're talking about this week based on well all of this butt discussion. Yeah, well, we're, we're talking about a movie called Butts, Butts, Butts. <laughs> we're discussing um. an interesting <laughs> adult documentary. Uh, no, we're talking about um, a movie called Virtuosity from mm-hmm. 1995 Indeed. that I never heard of. I don't know how this came onto my movie-to-watch list, Um but I, it did somehow. Um, mm-hmm. And the IMDb description of this movie, again, this is like going back to the question about like, is there a job you wouldn't do? Because <laughs> the, the description sounds okay, and it is. When a virtual reality simulation created using the personalities of multiple serial killers manages to escape into the real world... An ex-cop is tasked with stopping its reign of terror. Now, that sounds okay. I think that does sound interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I never know, and I think because it's not, I don't think things always happen in the same order of events. So when they approached Denzel Washington, one of the great (laughs) American actors, even (laughs) at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, man, you're a pretty good actor. You're in a bunch of movies. Uh, you're, and in fact, this is like when he's like super peak Denzel Washington. Like 95, yeah. he's like making boatloads of movies um, and is like the best looking he ever will be and like all this stuff. Um, they're like, hey, man, we've got this movie. You'll be a next cop. You're running after this kind of computer program made up of a bunch of serial killers. Like, that idea sounds pretty good. And my, I always wonder, like, when you're the actor or the manager or whoever, do you get... Because sometimes people talk about reading a script, but other times it sounds like people just hear an idea and then oh, sign yeah. on. You know? I think so. Because I think there isn't always, what do I know? But I think there isn't always a full script even written. Right. I mean, and that that's that's also wild. And I'm sure, like, small-time writers would, like, vomit at the thought of that. Like, some companies, some people can get things greenlit without even a full script. Right. But, like, we've just got a great idea. We'll work out the total thing later like yeah and they get people to sign on yeah and then and then and then the thing with that is obviously once someone like him signs on then Then, it's like a ripple effect yeah that's right um so we will get more into denzel soon but just as a broader um kind of 
understanding of the landscape of this movie. Uh, this one, like, I'm not sure that the lawnmower man was a major success. Um, but this, I only know of it based on like hearing them talk about it on how did this get made. I don't, yeah, I I think I feel like I perhaps in one of the pandemic Halloweens, I think I maybe watched it or tried to watch it. Um, but it's very similar to this in terms of it's like, there's virtual reality and then there's actual reality and like somehow wires get crossed and like things start to blur. Um, but like, I guess lawnmower man was fairly successful. So this goes to what we were just talking about of like the guy who directed that had lawnmower man, that one. Okay. And it's like, okay, you've got some steam. So now we'll like do this other thing, maybe with a little bit less, information than we would have asked (laughs) Mm -hmm. under different circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, And even more intriguing in this case, um, when Denzel Washington came on to this story, apparently he, like, once the script was written or whatever, he restructured quite a lot of it. Um, Mm. And specifically, and I don't, no beyond this because Wikipedia does not illuminate more. Um, he removed a subplot where he and Kelly Lynch um, were supposed to like fall in love with each other. Oh, um, I kind of respect him for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that the movie think it needed, that. needed it. And so that's yeah. fair enough. Um, but I was like, I wonder what, I, like, I wish I knew. What the reason? He's like, I'm not going to pretend to fall in love with this bitch. <laughs> yeah, um, but for whatever reason, he was like, "No, we're not doing that. It's just going to be about this uh, crime situation." Um, this movie, uh, not really a rousing success, um, but it mm-hmm. did. Its budget was thirty million, and it made thirty-seven million globally. So, at the very least it made back what it cost. Um, mm-hmm. But we're not, I don't think we're ever going to get a virtuosity too. Um, That'd be crazy, like 40 years later. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, well, and even crazier still. So like, I watched the movie. I don't, did you find it in the US like on Prime or something? Not for free, but I think yeah. I might have bought it on Prime. I forget. Yeah. Because here... Or I think you, I watched it on Apple TV. Yeah, here you couldn't even buy it. Like, you couldn't rent it on any of the platforms. Oh, but I oh. I found a actually surprisingly good version of it on YouTube. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch it on this. Um, oh. But the thing that is perhaps the most confounding about this movie... Well, there's many things that are confounding. But the thing that I found really bizarre is so, like... Like, after having watched the movie, I was like, what year is this supposed to be? I, um, I had no clue. I could not, I couldn't figure that out. Yeah, and, and unlike some of our other favorites, this does never once has a title card to tell us anything no. about anything. Um, no, I was surprised. But intriguingly, if you watch the trailer 
for this film. The trailer tells us it's 1999. What? Yes. Wait, they really thought that four years in the future was going to be that different? I guess so. <laughs> I mean, that's literally, that's literally like making a movie right now that says it's 2028, being like, yeah, we're going to have um, virtual a col- reality a, men. A colony, a colony on the moon in four years. Yeah. It's going to be a normal, everyday thing to have a colony yeah. on the moon yeah. in 2028. Um, yeah. And also some of the stuff within the jail that they showed – Oh, the jail thing is so weird. It's so weird. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So let's just keep in our heads as we go forward that supposedly this is all transpiring in 1999. That's wild. Yeah. In terms of the cast, uh, there's really only, let's see, one, two, three, four characters who matter to the story. Um, and they are Lieutenant Parker Barnes, Sid 6.7, Madison Carter, and a guy who was just called Lyndon Meyer, mm-hmm. um, who I never actually knew his name in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of Lieutenant Parker Barnes, this is a protagonist played by a 41-year-old Denzel Washington, um, who I'm fairly certain we have not ever discussed in the context yeah. of this podcast. I do, he doesn't do a lot of science fiction, it doesn't seem. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Although he's, he's got a, a handful of ones that are. Um, he is a middle child born in New York City. Um, or like, no, what, what's the place? Like, I want to say, like, is there a place in the, like, called Mount Vernon? Does yeah, that mean Mount something Vern- to yeah. you? Yeah, I think Mount Vernon would technically be considered, mm, I don't know if it would be fully considered Westchester, but it's like a little bit out of the city. Okay. So that's where he's from. Um, and he's, he initially uh, went to Fordham University and was studying journalism, but then went left uh, in order to pursue acting. Um, and... As with many of the people we cover on this podcast, it seems like as soon as he decided to do it, things went great for him. (laughs) Um, uh, His first credit is in 1977, and then about five years later, four or five, I can't remember for sure, he ends up being Mm -hmm. one of the main ensemble players, Dr. Philip Chandler, in St. Elsewhere. Oh, yeah, so that's Mm -hmm. 82. Um, So that's like... Both of us are too little to really know that, but it was like a primetime hospital soap opera kind of uh, thing. Okay. Um, and then uh, 89, he does uh, Glory, uh, which is his big transition to movies out of TV. Um, and then, f- like, from that time, like yeah starting in the 80s and into the 90s and beyond he does a kind of a number of movies with Spike Lee uh, one of which is Malcolm X where he of course Mm. plays Malcolm X Um, he's in briefly he's in Much Ado About Nothing which I quite like as a film (laughs) Um, he's got 
a role in Philadelphia. Um, so like, that's what I mean that I think is what is interesting and whether or not you would choose to do this movie is like in 95. And this is also just kind of a lot of other offers on the table. Yes. Yes. Um, like, and I think even in 95, let me just have a look. Um, cause I can't remember. He's, he's does like a, like a bunch of movies come out that year of his, like, Mm. um, so he is really and truly, um, you know, it's hard to sometimes say like, what is the peak of someone's career or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but like the nineties for him is when he becomes Denzel Washington. Um, yeah. Yeah, in 95, he's got three movies that come out. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, in 93, he's got four. Um, yeah, four in 93, three in 95, uh, two in 96, uh, you know, and then 97, three in 98. You know, like, he's just pumping yeah. out stuff. Um, yeah. So he is really, yeah, like, so I, this would be a little bit of a weird choice in terms of that, I guess. He, but. Like, cause by this time, you, you know, he, I'm sure he's choosing what he wants to do. Like no one is compelling yeah. him to do this thing. Um, yeah. more recently, I mean, I guess this is the other thing is like, so he's, he doesn't do nearly as many movies as he did in the nineties anymore, uh, which is fair enough, but he still is regularly out there. Um, Oh yeah. Like American gangster. I'm just mentioning that because, uh, Russell Crowe was also in that movie with him. Mm. Um, and then most recently he's been doing like, there's a series of movies uh, of the Equalizer, and he has been doing those. I think there are three of them now. Oh wow! Um, and I did look up Mount Vernon just because I was not confident with my answer. Um, it's uh, it is in Westchester County, and it is um, directly north of the Bronx. Okay. So it's like, so it's like I think it's like the first town in Westchester County. Okay. Um, yeah. So like. A nice place, probably, to grow up, I would imagine. Yeah, Um, Yeah, proximity to the city, but, like, a little bit removed. Yeah. Um, Then we have the character called Sid 6.7. He's called Sid 6.7 because he is a computer program. Um, And this is played by a 31-year-old Russell Crowe. Born in New Zealand, but basically raised in Sydney, Australia, um, as can sometimes happen in the world, um, his parents were caterers for movies. And so oh. he then got into acting and I guess they were probably, you know, like had a better idea about how to support their child doing that than probably just an average person yeah. would. Um, sure. So he's, he's like, so his credit, his first credit is in 1972 when he was about eight years old. Um, he's, and as is typical for actors from the oceanic Pacific part of the world, he is in Neighbors, um, a few episodes of that. Um, he specifically gets noticed in this Australian movie, I think it's an Australian movie anyway, 
called Romper Stomper, which is in 92. <laughs> I have Love no that. idea what is it, what it's about. Um, but apparently, like, Sharon Stone saw him in that and was like, I want him in my movie, uh, which Whoa. is The Quick and the Dead, which comes out in 1995. Um, huh. So he goes from that movie to this one. Um, and then, intriguingly... I don't know. Like, it's not that he did a bad job in this movie, but I'm like, I'm not sure I'm getting, like, superstar energy off this guy necessarily in this movie. But apparently at the time, other people were, because then he goes on to be in L.A. Confidential in 97. And then the thing that I would say was, like, the main, like, watershed moment for his career is then he's in Gladiator in 2000. Um, Gladiator. I was talking about him with, like, Mom the other day, and I was like, I know he's not in 300, but I always picture him being in that movie 300. Yeah. Um, I think there's, like, a different guy. It's Gerard Butler. Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) Yes. I was like, I bet it's Gerard Butler. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So then, and then he's in A Beautiful Mind in 2001. And so I think... Potentially both Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington have gotten Oscars. I can't remember now. I, I'm pretty um, sure he won for A Beautiful Mind, I want to say. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Denzel Washington has won Denzel an Oscar. Denzel won for Training Day, I want to okay. say. Okay, okay. Um, and so then... But let me tell you, I have a hot take. Well, okay. first of all, you didn't write, hit, write Russell Crowe's most epic performance. Which is what? Which is when he was in Les Mis. Oh, right. I, di- I specifically didn't write that because I... That was a joke because rem- he was horrible in that. Yeah, because I remembered... <laughs> well, I remember very vividly somehow, some, for some reason... <sighs> you saw that and you yes. got mad? Yes. I was mad that I, I was it. even watching that movie. Because I unlike... get that. Unlike some people... <laughs> okay, I, roast me. No. Well, this is maybe a roasting, but only by association. It is not specific to you. (laughs) Um, Unlike some people who probably wandered their way into the Les Mis movie and were like, oh, this has got like these people in it. I guess I'll go watch it. Mm -hmm. I knew even before going into the movie, I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) May I ask, is it because you don't like the show itself or you just, why did you go to it then? I guess I would say. That's, that's a great question. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this shit happens. Like I've been to many movies. I knew I wasn't going to like because of peer pressure or whatever. But like, I mean, I've seen a bunch of the Star Wars movies in the theaters, and I could tell you that I knew going in I wasn't going to care for it. Yeah. I um, I have an active and visceral <laughs> hatred of Les Mis and every single fucking song oh. and oh, everything. Oh, okay. I maybe didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, because, like, and, and I do think this is a bit generational because, like, I, then this is what I mean by the by association part. Like, yeah. of the roast potential. Like, <laughs> as... I mean, I was as, in it, so yes. I'm going to take some offense. As we know, when you are a theater child, 
Um, <clears throat> there, there are musicals that find your way into your brain and into your life and into your home. And yes. you sing the songs incessantly and everyone who's around you sings them incessantly and everyone loves them very aggressively. Um, yeah. And that, and for me, Les Mis is one of those where people, since I've been in fucking middle school, just <clears throat> su- they just fucking need to sing that Cosette song. They need to. They must. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. I don't like Whoa. this. Like... I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. Um, okay, and which and what the song you're referring to? Because I might correct you because you might have already been wrong. What the the song you're referring to is what? That one that's like, I had a dream of something, something, and oh, like okay. I, I dreamed a dream. Yes. Okay, well, that's Fontaine, but that's fine. I get it. Like, so here's the thing about the movie version that we're in reference to Russell Crowe is that that movie version does suck. <laughs> well, that's, in my, in my that opinion. doesn't, I think that's a universal understanding is that the movie is bad and suck um, and suck movie is like too, too aggressive, but it's, I didn't like that that take. And he was so bad. <laughs> he was so Wait, because was the he role. the main he guy? Was, he was Javert. He was the, ba- he oh, was the, the bad guy. guy. He, was, he was the villain, which I will say, like, another thing about Russell Crowe is I have not seen a lot of Russell Crowe joints, let's say. Yeah. Because um, I, I am not a fan in a general sense. Yeah. And he, I don't know that he ever has played a nice person. That's a good question. I feel like I, again, I've never seen him play a nice person. <laughs> I have a vague recollection of seeing what was that movie, Master and Commander in the theater, and that's one. He's he's like playing like an English naval captain or something, oh. um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that. He's like nice in that, but he but he's is not like actively bad. He is like the good guy, I think. Okay, from it, I will say he is good at playing a villain. I will say like him in this oh, yeah. movie, like oh, yeah. his villain, his villainness was like actually a little bit funny because it was like quite over the top. Yeah, he was like, like fucking chewing the scenery, but I did enjoy it, like for what it, it was. was <laughs> like yeah, like it, like some of the lines, I was like that would be fun to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I point taken on Les Mis, I get it, and it was like a time, and I feel like probably a lot of people feel the same way about Rent and other musicals like yes. that that were like very yes. at the time. And then, and that's what I mean. It's like generational. So like you and I, like in the years since you and I were in junior high and high school, now it's a different musical that people are irritating about yes. you know Dear like, Evan Hansen it would be my guess or things I like wouldn't that. Be, yeah I'm sure I'm sure and then it's like and everyone it's sings because, like the same song and you're like just get yeah, out of my fucking kids, face please yeah, like, because, 
because it's the type of show that theater kids really latch onto and then obsess over. And yeah. then it, it's like, okay, I am, I fully hate that now. <laughs> yeah, you, this used to be a good song and now I want to blow my it. goddamn brains out because yeah. you've done that, this too much. Like, yeah, yeah Rent is another one. For sure. Rent is another yeah. one that's like that. Um, that being said, part of the other issue, and actually this is true of Rent as well, I also don't enjoy when somebody calls something a musical and what it really is, is an opera. I'm like, if they basically oh. sing the whole time, that's not a musical anymore to me. Like, that's something else. Um, like, oh, yeah. like Les Mis yeah. is like that. Rent is like that. Yeah. What's that yeah, other they are, one? They are operettas, um, basically. Sweeney Todd is like that. You know, like, I'm like, if there's not meaningful dialogue, it's not that I don't like it, but it's going to be a harder... Be going in. Yeah, and it's going to be a harder... It is a harder sell for me. Like, I'm like, I like some dialogue. I like a little bit of a break from singing. Um, Fair. Now, okay, we don't have to have, like, a full conversation about musicals, but I am curious now that we're talking about musicals, do you want to see the Mean Girls musical movie? Oh, is the ne- is the new one a musical? Yeah. Oh, good thing I told you. Oh God, that really bums me the fuck out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's a movie version of the musical version of the original movie. I don't like any of what you just said. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then I don't recommend it for you. No, live and learn. I'm, I am actually very grateful to have that info to make a (laughs) A lot of people went to it and didn't know that. Yeah. A lot of people went to it and didn't know that and were upset. So that's your piece of information. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. moving on, we have a character called Madison Carter played by a 36 year old Kelly Lynch. Um, who, based on her looks alone, probably you won't be surprised to know she started out as a model. Um, mm-hmm. She, I just thought this was funny because, like, now Denzel is doing all these Equalizer movies. One of her early roles was in an episode of the TV show The Equalizer, upon which mm. the movies are based. Um, she was in a number of, like, uh, kind of like the movies of the '80s, like Cocktail and Roadhouse, um, and Curly Sue, and Curly Sue, of course, <laughs> that classic. Um, I did used to like that movie. And then what I didn't realize, because like to me, this was just some blonde lady. Like she didn't seem recognizable to me from anything. Yeah. Um, but she has continued her acting career and seems to mostly be doing um, TV work uh, at the moment. Uh, so she was in six episodes of The L Word, probably, when, hmm. when was that? Like early 2010s, early I guess. Early 2000s, um, yeah. And then 15 episodes of the 90210 remake when that was out. Um, um, the later one, not the one yeah. we watched in the 90s. No, yeah, yeah. no, like the newer one. Um, okay. And then, like I said, like, she still seems to be working into the present, um, mostly in TV. But I would say, because, like, by now she's, like, in her 60s. Um, so I think it does look like stuff is, like, maybe slowing down a little bit because presumably she might want to retire, which seems more than fair. Um, yeah. And then we have this character, name of Lindenmeyer, 
Um, he is the programmer guy, just in case that's of any help. Oh, yeah, that does, that, that helps. Um, that guy was weird, too. Oh, God, we'll talk about whatever his character was all about. Um, this is played by a 39-year-old Steven Spinella, uh, who was born in Italy, which I just found interesting. Um, this is his third credit. Uh, and similar to uh, Kelly Lynch, he seems to be mostly, his career is mostly in TV. Um, and like, and I would say like, he's one of those people who like has been in an episode of like almost anything. Like he's like, oh, I was in an episode mm. of that. Oh, I was in an episode of that. Um, and he, and sim- and similarly, he continues to work into the present primarily in TV. Um, there are also a number of other characters who sort of exist in this movie, um, none of which are important enough that we need to talk about them, but I will just mention that we have um, William Forsyth, Louise Fletcher, William Fichtner, um, Christopher Murray, and Tracy Lords. Uh, she appears as the club singer in this. And then in a real surprise, Kaylee yes. Cuoco plays okay. Kelly Lynch's daughter. Okay, can I tell you my, um, like, I don't know what the right word is, but my journey on figuring out that was Kaylee Cuoco was I, they show the kid for the first time. She, like, barely says anything. And I was like, yeah, that's a cute, I was like, that's a cute little kid. I was like, I wonder what that kid ever did. Um, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I like looked it up and it was like someone famous? And I was like, yeah, oh, out of curiosity, let's see. And then when I looked it up, I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't see it when I first saw her. Like I no. didn't recognize it right away. I didn't. I and and I don't remember when. Like, I don't think it was immediately, but I did eventually know. Oh, that's right. Because I watched this movie in two installments. And by the time okay. I watched installment two, I had done the cast bit of this outline. Okay. So I knew she was there. Well, she starts to look more like herself later on because you see her Eventually, face a little bit more. But like I, the whole rest of the movie, I kept being like, does she I look like a little version of the woman I know she is now? And I kept being like, <laughs> no, I do not see the connection between... Wherever this girl she began. She is so cute, though, in this, She's I will very say. cute. And, like, at most what I could say that I felt like I saw a similarity was, like, her eyes. I was like, oh. Definitely. Okay. But, yeah, something about her face, I was like, this is a person who I think has changed. Like, some people are just like that, where, like, the it's not even a matter of, like, ugly to good-looking or vice versa. It's like, your kid version looks really different then or something like I was really having a hard time I was like I don't see a lot of resemblance between if you see her I think even if you see her in like some of the stuff she did as a teenager or younger um versus now she looks a bit different like even maybe in like face shape or something like that but like I wonder um, if she ever got any sort of like work done or something. It's not even so much that. It's not even so much that she looks like plastic or anything now. It's just that like she her her she grew into her features differently than maybe like or she's um but like if you see her on that show that she was on she was on um 
that John Ritter show, Eight Simple Rules, like when she was oh, a teenager. Oh, was she? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, even on that, like, I mean, she looks like herself, I guess I would say, but, like, I think she's had different phases of looking a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but this is guess, more... Know, any, yeah, to me, it was, like, more than just, like, oh, like, because in a, in a more recent movie that... her face looked different. I was just, like, I'm not seeing it at all. Like, yeah. and I would have never guessed that it was, I'm not you know, sure I like... I figured it like, out if I whereas, didn't look it up. Whereas with other people who have done, like, I'm a child actor and then now I'm an adult actor. Others, I'm like, oh, that's definitely them. There they are. Like, yeah, right you there. Yeah, see, like, Jake, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal in... Um, in Back to the Future City Sl- 2, or no, it's not Back to the oh, Future uh, 2. City Slickers was I yes, going to say. Because Back to the Future 2 has Elijah Wood as a little boy. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. And he looks exactly the same. He And similarly, um, I remember watching an episode of Murder, She Wrote, and I was like, oh, there's Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> it was like, but it was immediate. I knew exactly who it was, well, like, straight away. People, yeah, some people are, like, miniature versions of themselves, and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so not this girl, anyway. though. Not to me, no. in my mind. Um, so yeah. this is, we'll talk more about Kaylee Cuoco because she turns out to be important to the story later on. <laughs> um, we begin our tale in a subway uh, that is a very unusual one. And I, when I first, like, dropped into this movie, I was like, wait... I, know I was like, where are we supposed to be? This is not supposed to be New York, is it? Well, because I was like, I know it's, it has to, I was like, it has to be the future. Mm. Be, but like what I wasn't, because like, like the outfits that Denzel and this other guy are in oh, right. are those like blue leather numbers that are like okay. a police man's outfit from the past, okay. but like made into the future. Okay. This is what I'll say about that. I, that was, like, my first thought in the movie. I was actually thinking, like, you know, I do think I'm not a huge fan of law enforcement in a general sense. Let's say that. Yes. If they were wearing head-to-toe leather suits, I would in, enjoy in them In bright blue. <laughs> in bright <laughs> blue. If they looked like Eddie Murphy in his stand-up <laughs> special, but in all blue... I would really like them more. I thought, honest to God, I was like, I what did I write in my notes? Um, oh, yeah. I was like, I like the neckline of that jacket because it was like an asymmetrical thing where the buttons were like going up, like around the top yeah. and around the side. It was cute. And I was like, I really like that look. I think police it, should get back onto that. A million percent. <laughs> I would, like, it would actually be so funny. Like, I would really love that if you just saw, like, yeah. if you saw, like, police, like, flooding the subway system, let's say, or something like that, and they were all just, like, head to toe in blue, blue leather. Blue yeah. leather. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, that'd be great. It was great. Um, but so, like, because, so they're in this whole getup, and then everyone else who's walking around them on the platform is all wearing the same outfit. So, oh yeah. At first, I was like, "Oh, I guess in the future, is this like one of those futures where it's depicting where like everyone is wearing gray jumpsuits, you know, or like you know right. something like that?" And it's going to be this like dystopian thing where like we're only allowed to wear four types of clothing, like or whatever. Right. 
But then I was like, oh no, it's not that because it's literally like a version of the same guy walking around yeah. the oh, subway. Oh, maybe I didn't notice that. Well, it, you wouldn't be blamed if you didn't notice it, but that is what it turns out to be. So oh, that's okay. And so then they start chasing someone. They come up out of the subway and they go into a Japanese restaurant. And the reason they decide to go in there is because Denzel Washington sees a little smiley face above the door of the <laughs> restaurant. And he's like, we got to go in there. And so then they go in there and similar to the subway platform, there are like, I guess I would call them like NPC type characters mm-hmm. um, wandering through the restaurant. They sort of say like, they, they kind of disregard them. They don't even really interact with them. Yeah. And we're introduced to Sid who is, and you'll see in the outline, a lot of what Sid does I put into quotation marks because I'm like, if it's virtual reality, is he really doing this thing or, right. you know, whatever. But he's like, quote unquote, eating sushi in this mm-hmm. restaurant. And when um, Denzel Washington and his partner find him, there's a big shootout at the restaurant and uh, Denzel's partner, and this is again in quotation marks, gets killed um, by being in the freezer, but also somehow getting electrocuted while being in there. <laughs> and so this, so at this point, like, I think we're maybe like four minutes into the movie or so, maybe a little bit longer. And I was like, what am I watching? What is happening? <laughs> and then the real thing that made me be like, whoa, really what's happening? I'm confused is when Sid finally does actually get a shot off at Denzel mm-hmm. Washington. And do you remember he, like there's this, like he gets hit in his shoulder and then this like weird sort of like bloop happens. And oh, I can't remember. It was so weird because it was like, yeah, I don't, like they clearly didn't know how to render or someone had not thought about it or whatever, but like they were like, how do we show that it's virtual reality real. and whatever? And it was like a, a literal like circular chunk shows, looks as though it's been like hacked out of Denzel Washington's shoulder and what the camera closes up on is like hole in blue suit yeah like hole in blue suit with like a weird sort of pink gelatinous hole with like what looks like one little bone like showing and then it like heals over to blue again and I was just like what is this and then I was really confused um, I was like, okay, so like, where are we? He's in this? <laughs> Um And and also like, there's this other um, visual effect that they use a number of times, where like when something is like going off in the simulation, the person sort of takes on a much more cartoon-like looking quality, like their face starts to go mm-hmm. from like an actual face to a cartoon version of the face and so that happened as well um but so then 
unsurprisingly, we are pulled out of this simulation once it's run its course, and we are in the LETAC, L-E-T-A-C, control room. And in case you're wondering, LETAC stands for Law Enforcement Technology Advancement Center. Um, and what we see, well, maybe, do you want to try and explain how these people are hooked into the virtual reality simulation? Okay. Well, what it reminds me of is like when you go to a theme park. Yes. And you're going on a roller coaster that maybe is going to go upside down. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they put those like the crazy things over your shoulders. Yeah. And then your legs are dangling. Yes. Um, but also on top of that in this, they also have like a headgear on. <laughs> yes. Because like I was actually, that was potentially one of the other, I was trying to think if there was any good opening question to go along with that because if one of the things that has remained an issue, I think, for actual virtual reality efforts and for movies attempting to show virtual reality is that when a person is hooked into a virtual reality sim, Mm -hmm. they look fucking stupid on the outside. Like, yeah, totally. And well, I mean, okay. Have you ever played? <laughs> have you ever done a virtual reality, even like a video game or anything? No, because as per another conversation we've had, I don't really care about video games. No, no, no. Me neither. And like, I would never buy that stuff for myself. But like, I have friends who do have virtual reality stuff, and like, the games they play are not like you know shooting games or anything like sure. that. It's more like I pl- I played like Fruit Ninja or yeah. like guitar hero-ish type of things. But what I will say is, (laughs) no shade to anybody I've played virtual reality with, you look crazy when you're doing it. Like, even if, if, like, what you're doing on the screen is, like, you've won the game and you are, like, a genius, your body looks crazy and stupid. Yes. (laughs) And And this version of how they're connected in is truly one of the weirdest ones I've ever seen because when the camera like flips us out and we're in reality watching them enter it and like as you said they've got like a headgear so they're like hooked in from the bottom and part of the reason that they're hooked in is so that their legs can move around like they're running and doing other yeah, things and they look yeah so they look like little babies like almost, yes you know what I mean you know, yes because it look looks like, like they're uh, dangling off yeah like the bottom they look like a little baby in a walker like being like yes oh. yes they they do they look they look like actually you know what they look like is they look like when babies are in that bouncy thing that hangs yes. down in the yes, doorway that's right that's what they yes, look like that's exactly that's exactly what it is and so they're like running around and it's it is like true like it's the kind of thing that you like when you go running and you've got your music in and you're like, you're like, I'm running at like an amazing rate. And yet if anyone <laughs> looked at you from outside, they'd be like, that's the slowest bitch I've ever seen in my life. You know, like, is that kind of, me? <laughs> no, it's me. That's also me. No, um, no, no, no. Yeah. But it's like, that's what's happening with these guys. Yeah, totally. Now it just so happens that the experience of being electrocuted in the sim has the unfortunate outcome of having the guy who was acting as Denzel Washington's partner 
he is pulled out and dies from injuries like acquired during the simulation. And what we learn... That's crazy to me. It is unfortunate. Um, But I guess, I mean, this is actually something that I've seen kind of done a number of times in science fiction, which is if you, like... And and maybe this is actually a real thing to be mindful of if and when VR gets really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, if you... It's meant to be some version of reality, and part and what's most important to that is like if you, uh, your, if your brain believes it, right? Like if you sign on to it, and so you know if you believe it really deeply, then it's not like this guy wasn't electrocuted because he wasn't actually electrocuted. Right, he, like. It was like a trauma to his brain to feel that level of fear and concern. And he basically, like, I I don't even think they said that. But like, he has like a coronary, you know, like a, yeah. Yeah, he's he's frightened. And so he has that response. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, Um, that makes more sense to me because I was going to say, like, I don't understand how virtual reality can kill you in reality. Yeah, I th- like. I mean, like I said, at this point, I don't think it's good enough to be where you can sort of trick your brain into taking yeah. it seriously enough that that yeah. could be an outcome. But I think, I mean, yeah, like I said, there's. N- I've watched multiple different sci-fi properties where they suggest this kind of thing. Mm. Um, what we learn as well is that. Denzel Washington with dreadlocks, by the way, which look great. Um, or I liked not, I liked that look. On they're him, not actually. really dreadlocks, so they're a bit too short, I guess, for that. But I think like, they're more like I don't know what the hairstyle is called, but it's more like when people like twist, like do little yeah, twists. Yeah, yeah. I I bet you there is an actual real name for that. I'm sure there's thing a name he's for got. That. Um, but he's got those, and I was I I was like. Why didn't he wear that, that more often? Like I thought that was it suited him quite nicely. Um, I liked it. However, I liked it. I do feel like it, it was meant to make us feel as though he was. I don't know how to say this without sounding racist. I th- I think it was meant to evoke a feeling of him being a criminal. Yes, I yes, I think sense. that's absolutely right. Yes, one hundred percent. I agree with you. I'm trying to now. Not find, that that's correct. Not no, that like, no. It, uh, like yes, I I absolutely know what you're talking about. Which is like, um, this is how we know he's a crime guy because he's got you know traditionally yeah, black how we know hair. He, um, yeah, he's not like a buttoned up type of guy because his like yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Oh, yeah. So I just looked up. He's basically got locks is what I think they're meant to be called. Um, Okay. Because it looks like locks can be of varying lengths, but it's not the same as dreads because dreads are like much longer. Um, So he's got, yeah, so he's got locks. He's, um, and like I said, and I, you know, actually also, it's not just that like, oh, he's a crime guy. So he's got to have black crime guy hair. Like, I think as well, because it's 1995, 
like, and because Denzel Washington in particular was such like an, an American treasure, right? Like by this mm-hmm. point, everyone was like, oh, he's like this great actor, you know, and he is. I'm not saying he wasn't any of those things. But I think like, um, you know, it was a bit of like respectability politics kind of thing. Like part of the reason why he was able to be so successful is because he was a black guy that was doing a version of blackness that was more palatable to white sure. people. Um, yeah. Like which is a, why a shorter, like a military style cut. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when he, yeah. yeah, when he has his transformation, he goes back to his like more traditional style of hair. Um, yeah. What we learn is that because these guys are both convicts, they have been chosen as guinea pigs to test the simulation. And in fact, the simulation is eventually meant to be like a training tool for the police. Um, now, no, uh, you don't have to stop on every single thing, but like, what do you, was that, uh, was that meaning to, was, okay, sorry. <laughs> Are we supposed to believe then that the other guy who does die was also an ex-cop? Because they're well, both Well, that's a great question. Yeah, that's a good question. I like, and as you, I kind of, as you were about to ask it, I was like, I think I know what this question is going to be. Cause I was like, <laughs> it's one thing to need to test a material or a new technology on somebody. I'm like, okay, that, that's a thing that would happen. That makes sense. Yeah. The thing I don't entirely understand is like, if this tool is meant to be a training tool for police, I don't know why the population you tested on would be convicts because, like, they're not going to have the same... Skill set. Or maybe it's not a... Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like... Because are you just... Like, you can use ex-cons... Or, sorry, not even ex-cons. Current cons. You can use them... And this... I am not saying you can use them or you should, but I'm saying if you are using them to test a new technology. I am like, you can make sure that it's like not damaging to a human body to run this tech, but I don't, what you can't do is like figure out if it's going to be a good training tool for police, like for a very specific subset of people. Yeah. So I'm like, like, I don't like, I don't know why you've even put them into this scenario where they're, looking for this killer, why don't you just see if they can be in a simulation and have it be any content? Like, what does it matter? Like, um, because if all you're trying to determine is, is it safe to use on a human person? Right. Then I don't see why the, the crime part even needs to be there at all. Yeah. And I guess what they surmise from this experiment actually is that, like you said, if we're to believe that other guy dies of, like, a coronary from being, like, scared to death almost, like, and he's not an ex-cop, the ex-cop guy didn't die. Right. So I guess it's a good experiment. <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, it's weird. Like the whole thing is weird because then as this one guy is getting wheeled out and uh, Denzel is being, like, perp-walked back to wherever place... Lyndon Meyer, the programmer, is talking to, like, one of the weird, like, people in charge of this. And he's like, 
I think someone is sabotaging my program because things are happening in the simulation, like not according to what I've set up. Um, and even Denzel Washington confirms this because he tells them, he was like, how was Sid able to electrocute my partner? Because when you gave me like whatever, like dossier explaining what skills this character had, electrocution mm-hmm. wasn't on the list. So like, how did he get that skill? Where did that come from? Whatever. Um, and everybody just poo-poos whatever he had to say. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> now, needless to say, this flippancy uh, in the approach to potential uh, problems will turn out to be a bad decision on the part <laughs> of people in charge. Uh, we then follow Denzel Washington to prison um, which, as you say, is an extremely high-tech sort of affair. Uh, for yeah. 1999, he returns to the prison. He gets scanned. We learn he has a metallic arm. We don't yet know why he has a metallic arm, but this mm-hmm. will become important later. Um, he then is brought into general population and has a fight with a neo-Nazi um, okay, and okay, okay. Wait, really quick. I'm so sorry. Every because th- this part was so crazy to me. Like, I liked the technology they showed, where like it would open a different door, and, yeah, like lead you into a different part of the prison. Yeah. So like, clearly he was waiting to go to like some isolation thing. Yeah. But, okay. He's then this part actually like I w- I said out loud. Why are there spotlights in the jail? And like, well, and did, did you see how much paper they seem to have access to? Yeah, and they were, like, throwing paper from every location what, in what the, the land? Was it was very weird and, why, and stylized, and I didn't get it. Yeah. I wanted there to be a musical number, if I'm honest. But no, like, because um, it did. It totally... <laughs> no, it looked like... Truly, like they're about he's to do ca- something from Chicago. Yes, pop six. Yeah, <laughs> it was. That, I was hoping that. it would happen because yeah. yeah, the way it was set up was like in that way that a lot of sci-fi movies do, where like the 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 proportions and dimensions were weird, and it yeah. looked like it was a stage set. Like it was like, yes. and then it was like those lights would then just the shadow of people. Yeah, as rather than seeing people, I mean, it was a cool look. In a I really wish that Denz- Denzel had started to dance. That would have been amazing. That would have been but great. Instead, he has a weird fight with a neo-Nazi. So that I didn't love. But, but, but I guess my question, like the practicality of it, more so than the look, is like, so he's let out into this like room full of Gen Pop slash like what actually they look like, like <laughs> the craziest of the crazy. Yeah, but he like with no. Like, just, there's no guards anywhere, and he's just, like, out. and Yeah, like, walking where down was, a where weird he, hall. Where was he meant to be going? Like, I don't it, That know. seems very, for a high-tech prison, that seems very unsecure. Yeah, it was weird. The whole thing... I didn't get it. ...was weird, and it's the only time we see him in prison at all. So it's, it's like... very strange. What is this? Yeah, um, yeah. Then we return back to the LeTAC control room, and Lyndon Meyer is talking with his creation, Sid 6.7. 
And Lyndon Meyer, by this point, I guess like a couple hours after this simulation, has figured out that there isn't anyone external who is sabotaging his program, that in fact it's Sid himself modifying and learning as a result Mm -hmm. of doing these simulations all the time. And Mm -hmm. Sid shares with Lyndon Meyer, I guess, you know, in a Frankenstein-y way, it's like, that's his dad or whatever. Um, Right. And he says, I actually really liked killing that guy, like using the sim to have him die in real life. I really liked that. And I would like to do more of that, please. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say that you created some type of virtual person or something like that. And it said that to you. Mm-hmm. What what is your response? I would, I'd like to think, say, <laughs> not to this character because the character has now become unstable. Right. I would be like, this seems like something that at the barest of bare minimums, I should probably write a memo to somebody in charge about this. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a memo is definitely, like, bare-ass minimum. I feel like I would be frightened, and I would be like, this thing needs to come offline, or, like, however yes. we yes. Uh, this means this particular... Or even, <laughs> like, because I think what we're supposed to get off this programmer dude, Lindenmeyer, is that, and he doesn't do a good job of this, but I think what we're supposed to get off of him, as is many as is often the case for mad scientists in these movies. He cares so much about the fact that what he has done seems to be working. Yeah. That he doesn't want to disrupt that. Yeah. Which I guess I understand. mistake. Yeah. But, like, I'm like... So, yeah, yeah. I think this is true, actually. There There are less lethal ways this is true in actual real life. Um, yeah, but the thing is, though, is like if you've got something that like let we might even say in a generous way, this program that you've made is working exactly as you've actually set it up. Like it's it's learning, it's growing, it's creating a certain sense sentience, which all of this is like quite a major achievement. It's unfortunate, however, we didn't anticipate this other set of outcomes as a result of that. Right. So we need to rejig some things. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, he, I mean, and he, he goes even, he's like deeper than that. He's like, he's like not, A, not scared at all, and yeah. B, like, He's in love to with like it. help it go in. Yeah. Oh, is that what you think it is? Well, no, I, I, I wasn't meaning that in an actual sense, but like oh. he, he's like, oh yeah, I'll help you do he's crimes. He's like, that's a great idea. <laughs> like without even a, it's like a bear. He doesn't guy. even, he doesn't even pause to consider. He's just like, that's yeah, what I'm going to do. He doesn't even flinch when the thing says that. He's no. just like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Is he and I guess too. What's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about like at the end of the day, 
since Sid, well, no, I guess Sid actually does actually murder people later in the movie. But like, I think at least some of that blame needs to go onto Lyndon Meyer as well because he's made For the thing. Sure. Um, yes, and and I think we can infer. Like, not only is Sid problematic because we learn that he's built out of the personalities of, like, 200 serial killers, which is, like, woof. Um, (laughs) But I think, as well, we have to infer that, like, a different sort of programmer might have used the same starting data set and ended up with a different thing. But Lyndon Meyer's clearly fucked up, so he comes out this way. Um, back at prison, uh, (laughs) Denzel Washington is introduced to, uh, Madison Carter and she's asking his background and some various other things because we learn that she's a criminal psychologist and she's interested in writing a book. Um, and specifically we start now getting the backstory as to why, Denzel Washington used to be a police officer but is now in jail. We learn that he killed a person called Matthew Grimes. And the reason that he killed Matthew Grimes is because Matthew Grimes killed his family, his wife and daughter. And so, as per usual, Denzel could never actually be in jail for, like, a real crime. Like, Oh, no, um, he's not an actual bad guy. Yeah, he's, he, he very rightfully and nobly killed this guy because he already killed his family. Um, I mean, I do agree with that. And when I, I show like, it, I think he should have killed that guy. Yeah, we see what happens soon. Um, yeah. Back at LeTac, it's, I guess, like... I don't know why these people are hanging out at their office all the goddamn day and night. They're losers. Um, but this other guy is playing sexy chess um, with a different... I didn't like this part. ...virtual entity called Sheila 3.2. I did not um, like anything about this part. No. And so this is... So the only reason this scene even matters is because Lyndon Meyer is... Trying so like the guy who's playing sexy chess named Clyde is like a a robotics person. Okay, and he's been making androids, and somehow that is also connected to this like law enforcement technology thing. I'm not sure what they think they need android androids for, but they've they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And so Lyndon Meyer. Like, yeah, very kind of, like, oily, oil-likely. He's just gross. Um, (laughs) He, like, slinks up, and he's like, wouldn't you love it if Sheila could come out of the screen and you could interact with her? And this gross-ass man is like, I would love that. That sounds great. And so Lyndon Meyer is like, oh, well, then why don't we take Sheila 3.2's module and we'll insert it into one of your androids? And the guy's like, that sounds perfect. Wonderful. Um, Lyndon Meyer actually switches the modules so it will not be Sheila going into a body, but rather Sid 6.7. When they go to Clyde's android lab... um, Clyde is explaining that he's designed these androids 
so that they can regenerate. And the way he does this is by taking his android snake. Um, Now, you might already be saying, but Sarah, why do the police need an android snake? That is a great question. And to that I say, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know under what circumstance police would need an android snake, but that's what he's making. And he shows, like, because he takes some scissors and he basically cuts the tail off the android snake. And then this, the tail regenerates itself. And how to explain this? Oh, boy. Um, it doesn't really matter because all of this is nonsense. But basically, the robotics guy says... I've designed these things using nanotechnology and what the nanites can do is they can regrow the components of the android but to do that there needs to be like a supply of glass that they can use to create the new material. And you again might be saying, but Sarah, Why are androids made of glass fibers? And to that I say, I don't know. Um, (laughs) And and to that I would also say, not only do I not know, I'm pretty sure that's not how androids are made. Um, Like, I don't think a lot of glass goes into the creation of an android. Um, But... What is important to the scene is that the android-making man says that to because these androids can regenerate, there are two main issues. One, if you don't want it to regenerate, it can't be around glass. Like, if there's no access to glass, it won't be able to regenerate. However, mm-hmm. if you want the thing to actually die, what he calls nano-death, you need to remove what they're calling a module from the android. Um, I don't even think this module is a real thing. Like, I don't know what this is, but it's a weird... The way they're depicting it in the movie is it's a weird, like, glass cube that holds all of their information. And intriguingly, all they have to do to make the android that becomes Sid is put the little cube of glass into a vat of goo (laughs) and then you wait an unclear amount of time but it doesn't seem very long and then a chrysalis emerges from the vat of goo and inside the chrysalis is Sid or If it had been Sheila, it would have been Sheila, just as they appear in the simulation. They appear exactly the same in this new real-world form. And this is where we see Russell Crowe's butt in the nude. Um, I did not like it. uh, Because, and my thing about this is, like, if the android can regenerate like if you cut off its foot and then it chomps down on some glass then its foot grows back why can't it just put itself in clothes right 
Like, why does it need real-life clothes? Why can't it just make clothes out of the same material that it's made out of? Yeah. I don't know. I don't... These are I mean, these are these questions that I keep asking, and then there is no answer. There's just dead air of, like, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> as soon as it is uh, come to life in the real world... He kills the android guy immediately. Um, Lindenmeyer runs away and hides, though I don't know why, because he has to have known this is what was going to happen. Um, and then because Sid is like just a fucking, psych- an actual psychopath, for some reason he cuts off his own pinky only to watch it regrow. So then he knows he's got this ability. Mm-hmm. Um... Back at prison, I guess some amount of time has passed because they go back to Denzel and they're like, so little little hiccup, um, that thing we made has escaped into the real world. And since you're the only person who was ever even capable of catching Sid in the simulation, we would like you to catch him now for us. Um, and if you do catch him, you will get a full pardon and get to leave prison. Um, Denzel points out that this is a pretty shitty deal, but he still takes it all the same. And as a result of this deal, he gets a tracker put in his head because of course he is still a prisoner. So they're like, we can't lose you. You have to have this Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Carter, the the criminal psychologist writing a book has decided she wants to come along on this adventure for whatever reason. Um, Back in somebody's home in the greater Los Angeles area, Sid is getting dressed in a suit and has a tiny little drop of blood on his face that we see when he's looking in the mirror. This sort of, this scene sort of had a quality, like what's that movie? What was it called? With, um, Christian Bale, and he's also the psychopath. American, is it American Psycho? Yeah, oh, I guess it is. American History. At- no, that's Ed uh, Norton. Oh yeah, I think it's American Psycho. Oh, Christian Bale. They say Christian yes. Bale, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's um, right. So this scene kind of reminded me a bit of like scenes in that movie where he's like talking to himself in the mirror and being like aren't you fucking great? Yeah, I'm fucking great. Like, you know, it was like very that. Um, And later, when Carter and Denzel get to this crime scene, what we learn is that Sid has killed an elderly couple and has written on the wall in their blood, death to the pigs. So Carter points out that this is somewhat of a modeling of the LaBianca murders that were done by the Manson family in the 60s. Um, mm-hmm. Which is true. That is that is a real thing That's that real. happened and, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. Um, I actually sort of feel bad for the LaBiancas because nobody ever talks about them. They only talk about uh, Sharon, Sharon Tate's Tate. murder. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and it was... Well, what was that movie that the, the kind of has to do with that? That um, uh, Once Upon oh. a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, I never actually but saw that movie, but yes, it's like I never finished sort of it, around but I know it. it has to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because the LaBianca thing was really terrible and sad and brutal. Um, so she's like, oh, he's copycatting uh, Manson, which is not good. Right. Um, no. <laughs> not a good sign. They decide that they're going to go to Lindenmeyer, the programmer's house, to see if there's any useful information there that they can start with in terms of like trying to figure out where Sid would go or what he would do. Um, mm-hmm. When they get to his home, uh, Carter looks through his computer, which, again, it's 1999, and the computer is entirely voice-activated, which is like, no. Um, I mean, nah. crazy. Um, but what she discovers is that, and and this also, I think, does turn out to be uh, kind of true of cr- trying to create artificial intelligence, that you like have to build it up gradually and sort of... How yeah, it's like it's like raising a child. Like it has to start with like basic structure structures and frameworks, and then you sort of feed it a little bit of information More. at a time, mm-hmm. and then it grows on its own. And so in this case, Sid was built upon a platform of two hundred different personalities, all of whom were serial killers. And that's not great. Yeah, not a great template. And I guess the point of it, like from the perspective of the people at LeeTac, is probably that they were like, oh, we want to create a simulation for police so that they can practice finding a dangerous person of this sort. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is like a compilation of all of these different. They want them to think like a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. So. And as, like, Carter is scrolling through all the different personalities that have been incorporated into Sid, one of them is Matthew Grimes, the dead enemy of Denzel Washington. I mean, that's quite convenient. I'll just say that. But Well, we knew it was coming. (laughs) We knew it had to be coming. Like, of course. Yeah. Meanwhile, I will say, like, there were bits in this movie that I, like quite enjoyed and the scene at the club was pretty good and I guess it probably would have shown a bit of like Russell Crowe's I don't know if it's talent exactly but showmanship maybe is the way to say it (laughs) um because like he gets into the club and then like do you remember what he starts doing with people like dancing with people right no he takes or what was he doing he like so he walks around a bit at first and he you can see on his face that he's like this is kind of fun i kind of like the energy around the room and then like he for him though because he is this composite of serial killers he always like that's the end game for him is to kill people to hurt harm maim right. whatever so like Whereas a different, like a serial killer who's just himself, like a good old Jeffrey Dahmer, who loved trolling <laughs> at a club. Um, yep. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer or similar, I think they actually, if you ask them, like, did you actually like enjoy the music and the dancing part of that? And he probably would have been like, yeah, like that was part of the fun, was doing that part. Mm-hmm. 
And then if I found someone who then also fit the parameters for the type of person I would like to like bring back to my home and turn into a weird love zombie, then that was even better. <laughs> but like the club part itself, I actually liked as any normal person would like who likes going mm-hmm. to clubs that is. Um, but in Sid's case, it's never, it, like, it's barely about, like, oh, I, this is the first time I'm experiencing music, or this is the first time I'm experiencing being in a body, so maybe I want to dance, or, like, you know, he doesn't care about any of that. <laughs> no, he, what he, he, he's basically a killing machine. Yeah, what he does do, however, is that he takes all of the club goers hostage and starts using, like, the, because they have, like a, like, a group performing initially, and he takes their, like, keyboards and things and starts recording people. And then he's like, you need to start crying just like this. And you need, and you need to start screaming just like this. Like, and then he's, like, recording them and directing them and, like, creating, like, an orchestra of suffering. Like, of, like, oh, yeah. okay, over... Over here, I need that. Start doing the crying. Over here, I need you to do the shouting. Here, I need you to do the, like the blood curdling oh scream. And he's like directing people around. I would okay. This might make me sound weird, but I actually feel like if, if something was advertised as an orchestra of suffering, you I'd might be, be very it. intrigued. <laughs> Like, I, th- th- that could be, like, some very weird performance art that I, like, might be into. It was very... It was something to watch, I'll say. <laughs> I um, don't remember that part for some reason. Yeah. The, and so, anyway, at, also while he's in this club, he sees a guy in a purple suit. He decides he likes it. He takes the suit. Um, yeah, I get that. Both Denzel and Carter get told like there's this hostage situation so they they kind of come too late to actually catch Sid but then they get into mm-hmm. a car chase with him um and in this kind of uh dust up Sid has gotten slightly injured so one of the other scenes which I did I did have to say Russell Crowe was really doing an A-level job here. He's, like, driving <laughs> through the se- streets of Los Angeles in a stolen police car, ramming cars just for kicks. And when he realizes he's injured, he literally picks up some broken glass that's on the dashboard from having hit various cars and just starts chewing it. And I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah, he really... I mean, I really do think he was having fun in this movie. I will yeah. say that. Like, yes, the character of Sid um, does have, like, some great... Oh, I even wrote one down because I forgot. So, like, when he's very first born in that android office place, um, <laughs> the android maker first is like, Sheila? And he's right. He His response is, no, I'm Oedipus. Hello, daddy-o. And then he snaps the guy's neck. And I was oh like, my God, I forgot wow, <laughs> that's, that is really quite a thing to say. That's quite a line. Um, yeah, he had a bunch of various things where I was like, wow, this guy. So, the, But then there are some, even Denzel gets some, good one, gets some good ones because in this street chase where Carter's driving the car while Denzel is like shouting and doing whatever, 
at one point he tells her, can you go back? Can you reach back and get me my crowd pleaser? And then he pulls out a super enormous gun. And you're like, oh, that's a crowd pleaser? I guess. I guess. Like, whatever. Um, (laughs) And so then there's a brief encounter between Denzel and Sid on, like, this bridge. And in this scene, too, like, Russell Crowe is giving me a real... Jack Nicholson, the Joker in the original Batman vibes here. And I don't think it's just the purple suit alone, but that's part of it. Um, Where he's like smiling and like mugging and being like, hey, buddy, like whatever. And then he literally like runs to the edge of the bridge, does a handstand and flips off over it and disappears. And I'm like, wow, this is like what an exit from this whole thing. (laughs) Um, Needless to say, back at the LAPD, tempers are running high, everyone's upset, um, and Denzel tells people, I know for a fact that one of the people inside of this character is Matthew Grimes, my sworn and avowed enemy, and I I am pretty sure when I was interacting with Sid that Grimes was, like, coming to the surface. Um, Carter also makes people aware that now that Sid is in the real world, what he's been programmed to do will only ever be sort of part of the equation because, and I don't even think they use the phrase artificial intelligence, um, but basically like the programming is set up to allow him to expand upon it. So um, he will get basically more and more dangerous the more time he spends outside Mm. of the simulation. Mm. Um, In this weird sort of strip mall in L.A., Sid is walking around in this stolen purple suit that he took from some guy. (laughs) and Which makes him look even more like the Joker or like Penguin or something. I know. He he is a true Batman villain in this movie, (laughs) 100%. Um, and this is part of it. So he's watching on, like, in the olden days when you would have, like, multiple televisions all, like, together showing the same TV show. And he's yeah. watching all of his antics being broadcast on the news. <laughs> and he loves it. Um, so course. he starts switching all the TVs to the same channel so that we'll co- show his coverage. And when he is doing this... There is, like, a kind of, like, burnout-looking guy who keeps switching it back to UFC. (laughs) And needless to say, Sid is none too pleased with this. So what does he do to this guy? You know, he he snaps his neck. Yeah, of course, as you would. And he snaps it in public in front of dozens of people. (laughs) Um, And, in fact, he also gets filmed while he's killing this guy. He's pretty brazen. He is. So he then walks away. He decides, for whatever reason, he's going to head to the UFC fight. Um, And I think, though, they never quite say this. I think it's like Sid, like, because in the simulation he only ever had, I guess, as two real people with whom to interact at any Mm -hmm. given point. 
and that and those were the people whose knowledge and information he could glean to start learning. Yeah. So at once he's outside of the program though, he wants to learn more, so he wants to be around more and more people. Mm-hmm. And and somehow specifically the way this is manifesting for him is like he wants a larger and larger audience for whatever mm. he's doing. Mm-hmm. So like he kills a guy in public and let's say 14 people see that. And he's like, okay, cool. Then he sees that the UFC place has like, let's say 3,000 people in it. And he's like, got to go there. Got to go there right now. <laughs> so that's where he goes. Um. Denzel figures this out. So then he and Carter both go to the arena. This is the first of two times that Sid is going to kill an entire control room of TV people, <laughs> which is shocking. Yeah. Um, and he comes, Sid comes out into the crowd. He's sort of glommed on to some woman. He thinks she's really good looking or something. I don't totally know. And he, like, comes up to her and at first is, like, kind of ickily hitting on her. And she seems sort of into it at first. Um, (laughs) But then things start getting weird pretty quickly. And her boyfriend, (laughs) who has come along with her, like, steps to Sid and is like, hey, man, like, fuck off. Like, get out of here. What does Sid do to him? He throws him yes. from the, like, I don't know if it wouldn't be called a mezzanine in a place like that. Sure. But, like, he throws him from, like, the balcony place down onto yeah. the floor. And I think he dies? Not yeah, sure. Yeah, they don't show it, but it seems like he would be dead. And meanwhile, no, first of all, no one in the audience seems to care that a man has flown out of the air down to the ground. No one. Okay, okay, okay. This is what I will say. This scene before, like, all this start hap- this is happening... We, we see people like, like, like fist pounding in there. They might even be saying "kill, kill." I don't even know. No, because they're like, not. Because I, I wrote this down because this saying? is very weird. They're saying "kapow" over and over again. Okay, I don't. Un- what my thought was during the scene was, I don't understand UFC or WWE. Right. Any of that, like, entertainment fighting, I don't understand. I don't understand it either, but I will say this. I don't think the movie understands what UFC is either. Probably not. Because other than the fact that it had the octagon and there were some men sort of doing something inside of it, I'm pretty sure... That crowd regularly fly through the air. <laughs> that's one thing I don't think happens regularly. I also number two thing I don't think happens regularly is I don't think the entire crowd will start like fist bumping the air and saying in unison together, kapow, 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 which is what they were doing. Okay, because because if they did, I would leave. Immediately, I, I just don't want to like, have to like keep shouting and raising my arm repeatedly over and over again for like ninety I minutes. Mean, like no, well, and like in sports, there are like chants and there are things you do and like the wave and all that bullshit. But like, 
Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's very weird. But I think, yeah, I was just, I, I was fully confused by the whole vibe of this. Like. This, this was also a weird scene. So, like, Sid attempts to kill this woman. It doesn't work. Then he, like, jumps down, does another flip to, like, land in the ring, I think, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But then as, and by this point, Denzel has, like, caught up to him. And so we have this shot where it's, like, I think we're supposed to be seeing through Sid's eyes. And we're seeing Denzel walking through the crowd trying to get a clear shot at Sid. And as Mm -hmm. the camera is slowly panning through the crowd, what do we see completely at random and for no purpose whatsoever? A woman's bare breasts. And I'm, oh, I, I was just like, remember that what? <laughs> it was very weird because it's the only boobs in the entire movie. And it's just like, why? Like, if you want to have no, some there's boobs no reason in a movie, I guess go ahead and do it. But like here seems like a really weird place to put them because it wasn't like. So, for example, a place where I could have seen it going is like, and I think they do have this in UFC where like. You know, there's, like, the cute girl who comes out and says what round it is or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, if you wanted boobs, just, just make her have <laughs> that lady come out and do it. This was literally, like, as if some woman in the crowd just, like, decided she wanted her top off. And I was like, I don't get that. I guess, I mean, I've like, not been to a UFC thing. It could be that that happens, but... That's yeah, weird. I've not been to a live UFC or even watched it on television. So maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed odd. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, needless to say, yet again, Sid is able to elude Denzel to run out from the UFC thing. And this is also what was weird. So in the UFC thing, it, I was like, oh, it's night. And then he ran out and I was like, oh, no, it's like the fucking middle of the day. It's sunny out and everyone's on the subway platform. And I was like... What's happening yeah, in that's this true. movie? Well, um, I don't know the passage of time in this movie. No, I, I couldn't tell you, like, if this was, like, a day. Like, was it one 24-hour period? I don't know. That's a I great have, question. I don't know. Um, we got to the subway platform where the situation is basically, like, because Sid's running around with a gun, everyone is, like, kneeling on the ground Um, He manages to take a woman hostage and is holding her in front of him as a shield. When Denzel runs up, he's like, you know, they have this standoff. And Denzel does shoot. And it appears as though his shot has not worked and he ends up killing this woman who Sid has been using as a body shield. Mm -hmm. But as Carter then... like, lets people know. Because basically, once Denzel has shot this woman, he runs away, and then now the police think he is also a fugitive. Yeah. Because he's, like, gone off book or whatever. Yeah. But when Carter examines the body... Now, again, I don't think criminal psychologists tend to examine a lot of bodies. So I'm not sure what people in Hollywood think a criminal psychologist does. Um, But she's like, oh, no, the bullet came from the 
back. So it was actually Sid who shot this woman and wanted it to look like Denzel had done it, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what starts to emerge, and this is this has been coming for a long time, is that um, there is a weird relationship between Sid and Denzel, and it's specifically born of this notion that uh, the Grimes personality is one of the stronger, more dominant ones in Sid. And so, in Mm. fact, this is when we finally learn more about Denzel's past, because Denzel has been taken into custody for having supposedly killed this woman. Mm-hmm. And while he's sitting in the police truck, he's flashing back to show us why he killed Grimes, which is basically that Grimes kidnaps his family. Grimes is like a political terrorist who uses bombs. So Grimes has taken Denzel's family, somehow connected them to a bomb. When Denzel tries to save them he is unable to and this is when he loses his arm is in the explosion where his family dies um Mm -hmm. but he is able denzel is able to hang on long enough to then also slaughter grimes and all of his gang before and that's why he's in jail is because of that Yeah. yeah um the way you understand it, but technically, yeah. from a police standpoint, not not allowed. great. Um, <laughs> back in back in the present, because Sid sort of needs Denzel. Sid has like broken into the police van, killed the officers sitting at the front, and then busts Denzel out. And he even says to him, hey, "Did you ask any questions about that tracker?" that they put inside you because I know that it's got a neurotoxin, which means if you act kind of out of line, they can just kill you. And they can just like press a button and then that neurotoxin is going to kill you. Um, And then he's like, okay, well, that's enough exposition for me. Bye. And he runs away. Um, Denzel ultimately decides that he's going to follow Sid and, I guess, to hell with the neurotoxin thing. Um, Carter, who... Yeah, she, now she's back, she's often back at her house. And I'm like, again, this she's is a time... She's going back home. I mean, I mean, she has her kid, so I get it, I guess. But she seems a little checked out. Yeah, well, and again, this also speaks to, like, is time passing? And if so, how yeah. much? Like... Is this the next day? Like, I don't know. Right. Because she gets a, she calls, um, like, oh, that's what it is. I guess, yeah, that's what it is. So Denzel has some kind of interaction with her. And then she goes home and says to, like, the main cop guy, what's this neurotoxin thing? You need to, like, get rid of this or whatever. And then she drives away to deal with something related to either Sid or Denzel. And as she's driving away, of course, Sid is pulling up alongside her house in like a, yeah, like a workman's jumpsuit sort of thing. Mm. And then 
So, okay, another interesting question based on what's about to happen as a result of this. So this is the moment when, right, when Sid kidnaps Kaylee Cuoco, right? It's here. Yeah. Okay. So are we to believe that criminal psychologist Dr. Carter leaves her eight-year-old, question mark, daughter home alone for, like, whole work days? Well, okay. That, I would, okay. I feel like at one part we sort of see, like, someone who we're supposed to believe is, like, a babysitter nanny, perhaps, like, coming out of the house. Oh, yes, you're right. I sort of remember that. You're right. But again, I don't know the time frame that's happening here. And the thing is that that little girl follows her outside. So she's already outside. Yeah, so that's I think true. Even if there was a, maybe what we're supposed to believe is that a nanny babysitter person was inside was the inside, house. And yeah. he was able to lure her away outside very easily. Okay. Let's assume that Carter's that's a decent what I was mom. <laughs> and that's fine. Okay, great. Um, meanwhile, back at Lee Tack, uh, the head cop guy. It comes in just in the nick of time because a character that I'm referring to as Pencil Neck here, because I did not know his name and I don't plan on learning it. <laughs> um, Pencil Neck is in the process of he's about to kill Denzel with this neurotoxin. And literally, like, as they're trying to figure out where precisely Denzel is, the main cop guy comes in and in order to stop them, just fucking starts taking chairs and throwing them through windows and like all kinds of crazy shit. And I'm like, surely you could have just like, I don't know, pulled a gun on the guy and said, deactivate this thing. Like, um, I, I guess my interpretation of that was he was trying to like bust up the stuff that would make so them, it like, wouldn't push the work. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, sure, that's fine. But like, because then you do in the, think if he had the control, he could have just walked in and been like, "Stop, everybody, right. stop, turn this off, turn it off." Yeah, like, because like I thought that too. I was like, so okay, so he's like physically messed up the <laughs> button you would press to yeah. have this neurotoxin go off. But what he hasn't done is like. Denzel Washington still has a little tiny thing with neurotoxin in his brain. Like, right. That seems troubling. It does. Uh, and I would want a more long term fix. Final. I'd be like, remove that off. Yes. Me. Yes. But, and then it's very flippantly. Then Carter goes to the graveyard where she finds Denzel, who's of course looking at the gravestone of his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. And she's very casually like that neurotoxin thing dealt with, handled. Don't worry about and it. And also, and also, she wasn't was she there when she watched him like destroy the shit? Because no. even if no, she, yeah, she wasn't. She she has no goddamn idea. She told one guy call it off, and then was just like assuming that that was definitely going to happen. She was yes. Something I guess what I'm saying is Carter's character doesn't seem to be very fleshed out. <laughs> Um, no. uh, not that anybody's is in this movie, but like still, um, of course we also learn because we're at the graveyard and Denzel lets loose that Grimes, of course, used his family 
as a provocation to him. And like, mm-hmm. you know, of course we're sitting there and I'm like, who of the two of us on screen has a family that could be used as a provocation? <laughs> oh, just good old Carter here has a kid. Like, right. um, so we know what's coming. Um, yeah. And that is indeed what happens. Simultaneously, now the, the final, like, climax of this movie is strange. Um, <laughs> because there's, like, two at once. I was confused. I really thought, like, it was almost over. And then I, like, I'll, I'll be honest, I, like, looked away at a point, And then I was like, wait a second. Did I rewind it by accident? <laughs> I no. Guess. No, I you did it. I got confused at some you of did this. It. Because now we actually have kind of two things happening at the same time. Part one involves a massive broadcast that is going out on the internet in 1999. And it's the only place where this broadcast is going to be is on the internet in 1999. And mm-hmm. what the broadcast is about is... Literally a, no one's watching that. Yeah. But apparently what the broadcast will be about is a, a proposal to fully shut U.S. borders. So, hey, guys, in 25 years, not much has changed. Um, <laughs> and so there's going to be this debate that is being hosted online to be about whether or not we're going to shut the U.S. borders. Okay, cool. So that's the setup. Okay. Sid has gone there because, as this movie is trying to show, Sid keeps needing a larger and larger audience for his mm-hmm. behavior. This is yet again, Sid has come into a control room and cr- killed an entire TV crew again. Um, and he jumps onto this broadcast. He also kills one of the people doing the debate. Um, just fucking kills that guy right in the head. Um, and, and this is a bit black mirror-y, and I know that there have been sci-fi things about this. As soon as someone dies in real time on the internet, the viewership goes up immediately. Yeah, I think that, I think Um, that is real. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, when you ever, I'm curious, because, like, I know, when you ever, there have been multiple times where, someone's died on air or there have been live streams of murders and uh, things like that or people killing themselves. When you hear of those things, is there ever any part of you that your interest is piqued and you would sort of like to find the video of it? No. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, me neither. (laughs) Wait a second, wait a second. (laughs) That makes it sound to me like you do think about that or you do have a slight interest in watching the footage of that sort of thing. The thing is, like, I really, like, in reality, I really don't. I think I would really not like to see it, but there is always, like, a little piece of me that has, like, a morbid curiosity. Like, is that something yeah. that's really available? Like, is that, or, like, people, uh, like, I wouldn't, I think I would be quite disturbed if I actually came upon it and I never yeah. have. Yeah, but, like there is like a part of me that's like that thinks about it. Yeah, so I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess it's like um, you know, like whenever you see, because this will also sometimes happen, like when there's like 
a concert or something where like someone gets trampled and dies or like, gets, right. you know, like, um, like I, what I was thinking as you were talking about it is like the footage. So, okay. How do I want to say this? Okay. So let us say that someone was doing something in a live stream now mm-hmm. and whether intentionally or somehow, I don't know how this could be by accident, but let's say something happens by accident and someone dies on a yeah. live camera, whatever. I think it is true that then the people who are watching the live stream are start messaging and saying, you got, you got to yeah. watch this thing. And then yeah. people turn on the thing to see yeah. what might transpire next. I don't think it's necessarily because people are like, I want to see a live murder in real life. Um, yeah. Because like, so, and the, the kind of image, the thing I'm thinking of is, um, the January 6th insurrection, right? Like at the, at the start of that day, probably, you know, there were people watching watching some stuff, you know, like whatever. Um, well, it's kind of like like live breaking news, right? Like, yeah. Where you're like, yeah. oh my god, it's a police chase. Oh my god, right. it's a yeah. Right, and so yeah, for sure, and particularly when it comes to the insurrection, like I was watching as people were like pushing their way through doors, slam, you know, whatever. And we've subsequently learned that some people, people died did die. as a result yeah. of that. So I'm like, I probably because I was watching that whole coverage. And couldn't take my eyes off it. I'm like, I guess I probably might have seen at least one of those people who died. I might have seen it happen in real time and not even realized that's what I was seeing. You know, like. Sure. Um, so, like, in that sense, I'm not trying to shame you for having the curiosity. <laughs> because I think what I'm saying is we we have probably watched someone get killed on without knowing that's what we were doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the ones that I was thinking of were a little bit more, like... Purposeful. Graphically. Yeah, graphically, like, one person dying, like, straight on camera. You yeah. Know I and, mean? like, yeah. famous ones, like, the, you know, I think there have been newscasters who have, like, killed themselves on, like... It's yeah, pretty, sure. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but, like, no, I would never... If it If I happen to see it, then I happen to see it, but I would never purposefully... Seek it out. Yeah. That's my yeah. feeling about it. Yeah. Um, I get but that. clearly, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> um, no. Because, as, like, millions of people start tuning in to this online broadcast. And in the process of that, unsurprisingly, Carter and Denzel realize that Carter's daughter has been taken. Um, and so Carter starts freaking out, as you would. Um, and Denzel <laughs> is like, listen, listen, listen. I will save your daughter, but what I need you to do is find the owner of this TV station and tell them to cut all of the phone lines. And this is where this movie is fucking hilarious because you're like, it's 1999 and there's like this incredible like Android and AI technology, but at the same time, the internet still runs on phone lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they couldn't think of anything. They how do they can't think up? Well, it's yeah. 
That's a, that is funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So he's like, just tell them to cut all the foreign loans. And there's an earlier part where they show Denzel Washington on a like a quote unquote futuristic payphone, yeah. and I was like, oh, oh come on. <laughs> like, oh, that's funny. I you know what's so funny about that is I remember being like, what is that supposed to be? And I I kind of kept forgetting, and this was supposed to be the future, to be honest, because like, no, because there's nothing I, beyond the fact of Sid. Most everything else is not futuristic at all. Like, not even a yeah, little and bit. I cu- like, and none of the cars are like, future Like, nothing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, I, I remember thinking about that payphone scene being like, what is that even supposed to be? Like, what type of phone is that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just a weird payphone. Um, that's so funny. Sadly, Carter's daughter only has two hours left to live. Um, and so Denzel goes up to the studio where Sid is being recorded. He's threatening the remaining members of the crew who he has not killed. We watch on the feed that over 200 million people have started watching this, which is at that time probably almost the entirety of the U.S. population. That's Um, crazy. Yeah. But again, like I said, like any, like, yeah, any live news thing, eventually people might. It's true. Turn on. Um, sure. But uh, good old Carter manages to get the phones cut. And so all of a sudden, everything goes dark. And this is another, this was another like great chewing the scenery moment for Russell Crowe. Because then he starts shouting, Where's my audience? Where's my audience? <laughs> like, that's all he wants is this audience so badly. Um, and so then Sid and Denzel have yet another shootout whereupon they eventually end up on the roof of this building. Um, And the problem is that Sid will not reveal where Carter's daughter is being kept. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then fight, fight, fight. Sid and Denzel end up flying through a plate glass window Whereupon Sid in particular gets super fucked up, and there's a great scene where you can tell Russell Crowe's head is coming up out of a hole, and then his like quote unquote messed up android body is just like laying there, all messed up. <laughs> when um, he has all the glass on him, is that part? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so now, again, we're meant to believe that. Sid is dead as a result of this, but of course he isn't because Sid is surrounded by the material that allows him to regenerate. Regenerate. So that's what happens. He regenerates. Um, They struggle with each other. And ultimately, uh, Denzel is able to remove the module out of Sid's head. Yeah, it's out of his head, I think. Um, oh, you know what we didn't talk about, but is worth maybe a brief discussion because we always talk about this. Did you like the android blood substance that came out of Sid? Well, I would, okay. It was weird. Um, but I will say that I don't like a lot of blood in movies, um, and I don't like blood in general. I don't really, I don't like the look of it. I like, so I kind of liked it as a replacement, like some blue sure. shiny. Blue shiny <laughs> like goo. Blues. Yeah, blue shiny goo I like can get more on board with than like 
what looks like real blood or real It kind wounds. of looked like the nail polish that was popular in 1999, which was like totally. the, that weird metallic crap. I mean, when it was like sort of dried on his chin, it was like disturbing looking. Yeah. But um, other than that, I sort of liked it actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now the unfortunate thing, and somehow like Lyndon Meyer is now back in the mix and he says to Denzel, you've gotten this module and that's great, but like, we still don't know where Carter's daughter is and we'll never know unless Sid is online. And all of a sudden, and this is probably why you thought like you had somehow jumped back or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, the whole thing resets, and we're back yeah. on the roof, and they're fighting again. Only this time, Sid throws Denzel Washington off the building, and then yeah. it looks as though Denzel Washington has died because there's, like, blood that comes out of his head or whatever. But yeah. then, again, it's this weird thing that was, like, the way... This movie rendered this where, like, all of a sudden Denzel looks like he's a cartoon and then he comes back Mm -hmm. online as himself and he's fine. And then we're back at the LeeTac control room and what we learn is that Denzel and Carter have been put back into the sim and the reason they've done that is because they've tricked Sid into getting back into the sim as well, but he doesn't realize that's what's happened. But my question is, how did they get him back in there? Like, what did they do with Sid's body in the real reality? Mm-hmm. Like, wait. That's a great question. Like, are we to know. believe... Oh, you know what? Maybe it could have been... Maybe when... Car or sorry, not Carter. When Denzel takes the module out of his brain after they go through the plate glass window, mm-hmm. maybe that really happened. Okay. And and Lyndon Meyer, the programmer, is like, so you've got the module, and that's great, but this girl is still going to be bombed to smithereens in however many minutes. Minus from when he said two hours. Yeah. So maybe they then took the module into LeeTac and then put it in. Maybe that's when that happened. Okay. Okay, I'll go with that. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I, again, I don't want to be pedantic. Not every movie has to make everything do everything, but like, I would have enjoyed at least some sort of a scene that gives us the steps to this process. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree because I was fully lost at this point, but I was like, okay, fine, I'll go with it. So we've tricked Sid back into the simulation. When he realizes this, he is very upset. And And then, again, like, stuff just goes weird here. So, like, back in LeeTac... The programmer, Lyndon Meyer, who seemingly was helping under duress, mm-hmm. decides he's now he's a bad guy as well, like for real. So he like pulls Carter out of the simulation. But as soon as he does that, 
the main police guy who's been like observing this whole process, Lyndon Meyer goes apeshit and then kills him for no reason, I guess. Um, and then, uh, Carter, who like sort of gets like roughed up in the process of the cop being killed, she kind of comes to, she kills Lyndon Meyer. But all this whole time, Denzel is still in the simulation. And then finally she's able to pull him out, whereupon uh, Denzel punches Pencil Neck, who's kind of the only person left from this Tac operation. He punches him in the face, um, and finally Sid is unplugged. And you're like, oh, movie's over. And then it's like, no, it isn't, because that daughter is still connected to a bomb in real life. And you're like, oh, my God, can't this movie just be over? Um, <laughs> so then this is the final bit where Denzel is able to disarm the bomb and everything is like... This part did yay. seem to go on forever, I will it say. It took ages to just... I'm like, just fucking disarm the stupid bullshit thing. <laughs> um, and then everybody's happy and safe. And the final scene shows Denzel, now we don't need this module anymore. We don't need Sid for any reason. He takes Sid's module, throws it off the roof, and the final shot is us watching a cop car drive over the broken glass of the module (laughs) a number of times. And that's it. So random. Over. Yeah. Hmm. It is... A head scratcher. Um, yeah. So, yawns and eye rolls, starting mm-hmm. with yawn. One yawn is this was a scintillating feast for the eyes. Um, and ten yawns is like this absolutely did not hold my attention at all. What would you give it? Um, I think I would say like about a three. I was pretty engaged, I will be honest, for That's, the most part. I that was... is surprising from you, or for anyone, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, like... I, I did find it semi-interesting because it was like crimey and like even like we were in the real world. There were part, there were aspects of it I liked, even though we were like doing the sci-fi thing. Yeah, I mean, it was barely in the future, so. yeah. You know, um, it was just like watching like a '90s crime movie, basically. <laughs> kinda, yeah. And Denzel <laughs> did make a lot of those, so fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. I guess I'm comfortable with a three as well because part of the reason I watched it in two installments was about like I started it late, later than I would have liked on like a what like a Tuesday night, I guess. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I could push through. But I don't want to. <laughs> so I yeah, did that's it. Fair. Um, but yeah, overall, I would say it was okay. Like it moved at a good clip. Um, and then for eye rolls, one eye roll is like this world kind of makes sense to me. I'm fine with it. <laughs> and like 10 eye rolls is like this was just so mind boggling. I couldn't get a, like, I couldn't latch onto anything 
what would you mm. give it? Well, here's the thing. Like, in watching it, I didn't find it that crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind of, like, was letting it just, like, kind of wash over me, and I was, like, going with it. The more we talked about it and, like, dug into certain things, the more I realized the holes that existed. Sure. Um, so I don't know what that would be. <laughs> like... And the world did work for me in watching it without, like, a lot of critical thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, maybe a five, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I think I would do the same. Or maybe I might even go closer because if, if, the, if the real scale is just, like, does this make sense to itself? <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, I guess it does. So maybe I'd even <laughs> give it a two. But... I like that as a, as, as a, just in general, like for movies, like did the movie make sense to itself? Well, I think it like thought it was doing something. So sure. <laughs> I mean, but the thing, as we've discussed with many a thing on this show, there's plenty of things we've watched where you're like, okay, so this movie like sets up parameters and then seemingly doesn't even follow those. So that's, that's weird. True. Like, that's um, true. this at the very least. Now, I don't think what we've got on our hands is a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. But I would say I'm like, things fit together in a way that the logic of the movie remains intact. Like, it doesn't mean I think this is like great work or anything, (laughs) but like, I'm like, I get it. Like, this is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And you're right. I hadn't even fully realized this until we just started mentioning it is like, this is just a 90s movie. Like, there's barely yeah. anything that is even remotely, like, futury or techy or anything. Like, Not it's just really. like, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> so then, ultimately, did you like this and would you recommend it? Here's the thing. I didn't hate it. Um, High praise I, coming from you. <laughs> Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't even pause it all that much. Um, I can't remember if I watched it in one sitting or if, I think maybe I took a like I did do it in two, but it wasn't really so much that I like didn't want to finish it. It was just like the timing that I did it in. But yeah, like, um, yeah, I think I I think I liked it fine. It's not going to be something I necessarily go back and watch, but um, I liked it fine. Would I recommend it? If you like Denzel, if you like Russell Crowe, sure. Yeah. I guess is kind of what I would say. Yeah, I, I, I would say I give this a mild like. Like, it's very, like, it was fine. <laughs> you know, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I do think that... I don't think I would recommend it exactly. <laughs> um, but what I would say would be, like, have a look at some of the Russell Crowe scenes because... He sure. is pretty hilarious in a lot of them. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and I guess th- maybe that's kind of the real moral of this story, although, you know, we've seen it not work out this way, where if you've got, like, some good actors doing their best, it, <laughs> it goes a long way to making sure. something seem to hang together better than what I, like, in a lesser what it might cast, actually. Yeah, like, in a lesser cast hands, 
I'm not sure what we would have gotten out of this movie, but sure. um, but because Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe are genuinely good actors who are like they're good actors, and they're also because I don't even think every actor is exactly like this. These guys in particular are pleasant to watch. Like, even when they're doing something that kind of sucks, even when something's weird, like, it's just like, I, there is something compelling about watching them do something. Um, Yeah. And so this movie is able to leverage that in the context of a story that is like, eh, I don't know about yeah. this. Like, yeah, totally. Um, so, overall, I am, I've had a really good run so far of keeping you pleased with our films, so I'm concerned what will happen next. Yeah, don't fuck it up. Um, I will try my best, <laughs> but as always, it has been a pleasure. I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.